I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. Great to have you here. Listen, I was at a small group meeting at my church, and we were talking about prayer, and, and I made a statement that I fully believe, which is I think prayer is probably the most underestimated tool of authority and power that we have as believers. And and I get it. I mean, I underestimate it. And, and I, I hate to say it. I know it up here, but sometimes you don't get it right here, right? We don't always see, um, you know, immediate results. Sometimes we feel like it's not even going, you know, past the roof of the building we're in. But if we believe scripture, like we say we do, prayer is huge, huge. And we're going to talk about that today. My guest today is Rick DuBose. Uh, he has a book out called In Jesus' Name. You can pick it up wherever you get books. He is the Assistant General, General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God Denomination, so Denominational Headquarters up in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, and he joins me to, to talk about what he outlines as the five altars of prayer. What does that mean? Well, appreciate you guys being here. You're going to find out today. Uh, and, Rick, it's great to have you on Live Today Live. I appreciate you being here. Hey, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for the invitation. We, uh, I've been looking forward to this, and and uh, thank you for letting me just pour out what God's been pouring in. Well, well, let's let's pour um, because you know in the subtitle you you say that, that prayer moves heaven and earth, and that's a, I mean that's biblical language, but man, yeah. that's pretty lofty. Uh, what what it, why? Well, what what's your basic premise when it comes to prayer in this one? Great question. It all started. Well, the basic premise is just scripture, scripture upon scripture. You've already said it. It just builds on itself. The Bible's constantly calling us to prayer. But uh, I was going to prayer one day. Uh, my whole team was with me. It's a church I pastored, my staff. We'd come to a national prayer meeting that was being hosted by, at the time, our general superintendent. And uh, we just wanted to participate. So that morning, it was a six o'clock prayer time. The church was open. So we scattered around the auditorium. I knelt down to pray underneath the edge of the balcony, kind of dark, great place to pray all by myself. And as I'm kneeling, I said, Lord, I want to come into your throne room this morning. Hmm. When I said that, he began to show me things that I had not seen, give me revelation that I'd not had, pull together scriptures in a way I'd never pulled them together. And I began to see the function of the, of the throne room. The first picture that I had was of me standing on a second level, a mezzanine level. And I'm overlooking this vast um, area. And I saw the throne of God was on my left side from where I was standing. To his right, there was a throne. And the 24 thrones that John declares in Revelation... I saw him forming a huge circle back to the left side of God's throne room. And I knew immediately the scripture that this is the 24 thrones that surround the throne. And there's the father. When I looked in the middle, I saw what John called the sea of glass. When I looked into the sea of glass, this was the revelation of it all. I saw the earth, that the entire earth was visible in that sea of glass that when I looked into it, there was no place in the earth that wasn't visible. So I know that the earth is a sphere. 
We get that. But in before the throne of God, every part of it is visible. The scripture that immediately came to mind was where God said, the heaven is my throne, but the earth is my footstool. Mm -hmm. And there his feet, the feet of the Father, rested on this sea of glass with all the earth before him. And uh, that was the beginning of a process. The next piece was that Jesus was walking on the sea of glass. And I remembered in Revelation where he said, John said that he walked among the candlesticks, which are the churches. And as Jesus was moving around the earth in the sea of glass, he could walk among the churches. He could be both fully in heaven and fully on earth simultaneously, the way the structure of, of was established. I've watched that. And then I saw Jesus turn, face the throne, and begin to pray prayers. The Bible said when John heard him pray, he said his voice sounded like many waters. I like to emphasize many because he was praying so many prayers simultaneously that it can only be done at a level of deity. And he was able to pray dynamically. And that prayer was moving fast and, and forcefully toward the throne of his father. And as he prayed, uh, I saw angels from above where I was standing. And those angels, John said that the throne was encircled by these angels. He uses a word that we get the word stadium from, hmm. just encircling 10,000 times 10,000. These angels were moving ab from above me, going to their assignments in this activity of heaven with Jesus interceding. And, and it was so active. Uh, two more things I saw, and, I, and it's in the book, but two more things I saw. While I was there, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear and said, you're standing in the in the in the place of the heroes you're you're in that cloud of witnesses and as i stood there i looked around that thought made me think i would see elijah or moses or 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 peter that's not what i saw what he was showing me i'm sure all that was probably there but what he was emphasizing for me was there was a grandmother and a grandfather and they look over the edge and they saw the glass open up and they could see their grandson receiving the Lord as his Savior. And the Holy Spirit said, this is the answer to the prayers they prayed because your prayer continues to work even after you're already in heaven. And their prayers were still bringing their, their being fulfilled and they got to come. They were summoned to the, come to the throne room and see this prayer answered. That was kind of amazing. Then he had other people. They were seeing their prayers answered. They were all celebrating, worshiping the Lord from this cloud of witnesses. Their prayers were no longer being effective because we can only pray while we're still on the earth, effective prayers. There's, we have to be careful that we don't fall into a belief that, that we pray to a saint who prays on our behalf. We pray to Jesus who prays on our behalf. He's the intercessor. But they were seeing these answered. I saw people passing through the, the glass up into the Lord's arms, and then he would show them the people they love waiting for them in the cloud of witnesses. And it was dynamic. I remember the scripture when Stephen was being stoned, and he said he looked up and saw Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. All right, so I saw all of that. I'm trying to rust through that because, <laughs> because when it was all over, the Holy Spirit asked me what I learned. I said, I'm not even sure that I know what I learned. One is... We don't have to go into the throne room. The earth is already in the middle of it. We're there. We just have to become aware that the kingdom of heaven is at hand mm. and begin to be a participant. And we participate by prayer. He said, that's right. 
he said, uh, here's what else I want you to notice is that Jesus would sometimes get really aggressive in his intercessory prayer. And when he did, heaven and angels became more active. The, the forces of heaven became more involved. I said, yes. He said, why do you think Jesus's prayer became more uh, aggressive at key times? I said, I don't know. He said, because he would step into places of prayer and people of prayer and prayers of faith. And when he would step into prayers of faith on earth, praying in Jesus's name, there was an authority and a power as he began to pray and carry our prayers forward. And he said to me, a part of his prayer life is an extension of ours and dependent upon us. And then he said to me, and you just said it already, he said to me pretty clearly, he said, the most important thing you do on earth is not your preaching. It's not your leading. It's not your administrating for the sake of the kingdom and the church. It's your praying. Mm. Nothing Nothing compares on all your work to your work in prayer. Hmm. The most effective thing you do is pray. So that's where this this whole process begins. That's interesting. Okay, so <laughs> you just you just freaked out all my Baptist and Lutheran viewers. I know you know that. I know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but but no, seriously though, when when we have an experience like that, I know what you did. You went to Scripture to validate what you, you had seen, what you believed you'd seen. Um, what is the scripture, what scriptures jumped out at you that said, okay, now this is, this is true. It's right here in God's word. Yeah. I think it all started with uh, the God saying that the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Yeah, yeah. It begins there. And I, and I want to say to your Baptist and Lutheran and Presbyterian <laughs> believers, just, just for a minute. Um, when I say that, I want you to know I'm not declaring it as a vision vision. I'm declaring it as a moment of revelation or understanding sure. where the scripture became clear to me. I began to understand what I was participating in and God had a way. I knew the whole time that I was kneeling at the pew at the back of a church. I, I knew where I was. He just kept showing me and giving me pictures in my mind, helping me understand the process I'd asked to participate in. Yeah. So I think that's important. For yeah, us. well, I mean, Scripture says that that's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to give us understanding, to, to let us understand the written word, because I mean, you and I both know, I mean, there's the reason we have denominations and and uh, you know, Catholics and, and Protestants is, because we all read the same Bible, but don't always come away with the same thing. So, I mean, there there has to be a, an active living aspect of Scripture uh, for us to understand it, not just interpretation, but then the application of how it applies to our lives. This, this changed probably the way you approached prayer, did it not? Totally. Yeah, completely. So when I begin to see myself in prayer as a participant in a heavenly activity, that when I knelt and said, I come boldly before the throne of grace, as declared by Hebrew, <laughs> yeah. I am literally coming boldly before the throne of grace. Mm. That though I am alone uh, in my room, Jesus taught us that. He taught us to go into the secret place, close the door behind us, get alone in prayer. And that when God hears you in private, he'll reward you in public. That what you're doing in that private place is having public impact. Uh, I thought then, of remember when Jesus when in, and again, back in Revelation, John describes the scroll being brought to Jesus and handed to him. I mean, being brought to the Father and handed to him. Mm. But the Father said, who's worthy to un unlock its seals? For there were seven seals. No one was found. John began to weep and cry. And then the, the elder touched him and said, John, don't weep and cry. There is one worthy. And Jesus steps forward. Jesus 
Jesus goes and opens the seal. As soon as he opens the seal, the focus of the book of Revelation goes from what's happening in heaven to what's happening on earth. Hmm. And then it talks about things on earth shifting, changing. Obviously, we're in the we're in the millennial. I mean, we're prior to the millennial reign. We're in the time of tribulation that's been shown through that. But it's showing the connection of what happens in heaven and what happens on earth. And he says to me, there are things today that need to happen in heaven. And by prayer, you participate in that process, bringing forth the work and the declaration of Christ. And when it shifts in heaven, it'll begin to shift on earth. If we want to change America, Mm. we're going to change it from the secret place. And that power and effective prayer will begin to affect what happens in the supernatural. Jesus taught us the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. It's not a long ways off. It's a spiritual dynamic. I get it. It's not the natural. It's the supernatural. But we participate in that supernatural when we bow our head and enter into prayer. There's something there that happens. It doesn't. You said it. It doesn't always feel supernatural. Right. Sometimes it feels as natural because it is natural. And yet the dynamic of it is is in the spiritual. And we begin to have a real impact on the earth by entering into that throne room, boldly approaching the throne of grace. So those are the two scriptures that really stand out. Boldly approach the throne of grace. The heavens are my throne, but the earth is my footstool. And we see this picture of, of God at work. And then the opening of those seals, we begin to make changes. Sometimes we work so hard in the political arena, which which I think every Christian has a responsibility to the politics of his nation or her nation. I don't, don't diminish that at all. But I think our greatest priority and our greatest impact is not in our vote, though we should. I believe it's in our prayer that we pray. I believe we can shift this nation with a call to prayer yeah. and the understanding the value and the power of prayer. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I do believe, you know, you, you, we hear the phrase heaven and earth. And, and that's a, a biblical phrase, and I think that's how we should operate, uh, you know, heaven and earth. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, there's for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch, right? And we can get on one, one ditch that says, well, I'm just going to pray and I'm not going to do anything, you know. And then we can get in the other one that says, well, it, it, it feels like a very works-based thing because if I just work hard enough, I can make the change. And it, it, it's both. It's act and pray. You know, yeah. um, there is definitely a calling to to both aspects of, of the the prayer. I, I just think if we if we forget one or the other, we're 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 missing it. You know, so I, I appreciate that you emphasize that. Here's here's the a question. I think for people that are watching, and they go, okay, well that's that's interesting, and yeah, I know the scriptures, and yeah, I probably don't pray enough. I, I probably how do we get to that place where we understand the role of prayer and engage in it effectively? That's a great question. I'm still learning myself, by the <laughs> way. Uh, yeah, let's be honest with that. I think it first starts with uh, trying to develop a consistency. Um, I, I, have to, I have to plan my prayer time as much as I plan any other obligation, <laughs> any other responsibility or any other opportunity. If I don't plan to take advantage of it, I never will. So once you begin to understand that God's called to prayer, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Once we begin to see his emphasis, don't pray like they pray. I want you to go into your room, close your door. We begin to grasp the power of, of a behind a closed door prayer experience. 
um, and we understand it. Then we have to set our alarm. Uh, we have to actually get out of bed. I mean, we've got to do it. And so, uh, you know what I've done for a long time? I've used uh, the Lord's Prayer as my model. I begin, I just, it's a great, it's what Jesus said, and yeah. it works. And it simplifies the whole thing. It takes away all the all the mysticness of it. I just I just step in and say, I come to hallowed your name, Father, and I remember the names of the Lord, and I worship and praise. And I'm not a good singer, so I don't sing to Him. Uh, some people do that well. He'd rather I didn't. I think I, He didn't give me that. Gift. So I just I just worship Him and praise Him, and then I just start walking down the process. Your kingdom come. Mm-hmm. Now I see that not just as as his kingdom's will coming, but the actual activity of the kingdom coming. Right. I need I need the demon the the dynamic against the demonic. I need the dynamic of the kingdom of God to be at work. I need the Holy Spirit to be at work. I need angels, however that works, God. Whatever it is that I that you tried to show me about angels, let it whatever that is that the kingdom of heaven begins to work, and by the power of the supernatural side of this life. And you're right. That heaven and earth are one. Uh, if you notice, when he destroys the heaven and earth, he destroys both the heaven and the earth. He didn't just destroy the earth and create a new earth. He destroys the heaven and earth and makes a new heaven and a new earth. Why does he do that? Because of the inner dynamic between the natural and the supernatural is so clearly designed for the function we live in that when he redoes it in the next phase of existence, it doesn't need the same function or the same design. So both are rebuilt. That's a, that was an interesting concept to me, that that we really are intertwined with heaven and earth, the spiritual and the supernatural. So I need that dynamic. So I pray that. And then I pray, Lord, your will be done. Your will. That's a surrender uh, of my will to his will. That's part of it. But a part of it is also just uh, I need to know his will. I need to know what he wants from me. I need to hear from him. I need direction which leads us into praying for daily bread, daily provision, daily. It's a beautiful prayer, daily forgiveness, keeping my heart right. Um, I'm fully saved, but I'm still being sanctified. And there are things in my life that I need to deal with and put away. And so I pray that prayer of sanctification, Lord, forgive me of my sin. It's a daily prayer. It's a daily part of that process he leads us into. And then forgive others. That's a daily part of my walk. What a beautiful plan. Then he finally gets us to the end and says, now pray. Pray that God will lead you in a path that will keep you from falling into temptation. Yeah. That's what a great prayer. You, yeah. You'd think Jesus came up with it. So I use that I use that process in my own prayer time. I did this morning. I did this morning. Yeah. And, you know, and for anybody who feels stuck, whatever, you can't go wrong following Jesus' model of a prayer. <laughs> you know, it just, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it works. It's a good place to start. All right, gonna, this is the book. It's in Jesus' name. And, and you know, the heaven and earth thing, and I, I don't want to get – I'm not – I don't want to go too far down this, this path right now, but, um, you know, heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord will stand forever, right? That phrase, and I, I've done a deep study on that, it's a, it's a statement of authority, heavenly authority, earthly authority, the structure of authority on, on heaven and earth. And I believe that that's actually already happened. I know that's not the dominant view right now, but I believe it's a passing from the old covenant to the new covenant. See that. Regardless of, of you know where you land on that kind of thing, the idea of, of authority is uh, an interesting one. Um, and it, it's one that I have my charismatic friends talk about a lot more than my not charismatic friends, you know? Um, yeah. 
but scripturally it's it's there but i think we just don't understand it and there's the mystery that more conservative people tend to not be comfortable with you know um what are you talking about when you talk about authority in in this book that's very good first of all jesus made a declaration just before his ascension all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me yeah I could see that's kind of where you were leaning, and I lean there with you. Mm-hmm. All authority. So you take it all, whether it's in the, in the spiritual realm, whether it's demonic or, or angelic, whether it's from God or from man. So there's three spirits in the world, according to Scripture. There's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Antichrist, and the Spirit of men. Mm-hmm. All of that. Jesus said, I've got authority over all of it. Yep. So the only way you walk in authority is if he's given you authority. It has to be delegated to you. You know, in our church structure in America, we follow the democratic model often, and we try to use our democratic uh, process of, of authority by by giving, letting the people vote in uh, deacons, you know, using that old term, and then, then we vote in a pastor, and so the people think they're giving authority to the man of God. The truth is, if he has authority, he had to get it from the place of authority, which is from God. If you look at Acts, it actually flows the other way. The apostles that walked in with Christ had authority. So when they uh, they nominated and they later on appointed the deacons, the hands which represent the distribution of authority were laid on by the apostles, not by the people. So we say you can only receive a par- authority if you receive it from someone in authority who must receive it from Christ. So there's this dynamic authority. And then when we go to prayer, look at this. When we go to prayer, we understand that delegated authority he's placed in the home. He gives authority to the man of the house. Hmm. He gives the authority of a man and his responsibility. When there's a pastor in the church, there's a pastoral authority that is received from the one with authority, which is Christ. Now, with that authority, what do we do? Well, there's many things. We, we are responsible back to God. He gave us the authority for a purpose, and so uh, that purpose we're going to answer for how we use that authority. If we used it selfishly, we're going to pay a price for that. Yeah. If we used it correctly, there's we not only bless the people under us, but he's going to bless us. So there's this divine flow of authority we see. Now, what's the greatest use of that authority? Well, if I take that authority and that responsibility and begin to use it as the father to pray over my family, mm. I have a spiritual authority mm. in the dynamic of the kingdom that can actually move heaven and earth for my children, mm. for my grandchildren at this point in my life, and soon to be great grandfather. <laughs> uh, so I, I can use those pieces. I can also use it in the church God has made re- responsible for. I can also, and in the book, when I talk about the different altars, one of them that I promote is is the pastor's altar, which is a support altar. The people that pray for the pastor and with the pastor. He creates a prayer team. And I've, I use Moses. Remember when Moses' hands were held high yep. and, and he had the two prayer support team hmm. holding his hands up? What happened? The church in the valley won. They were victorious. Joshua was victorious. When his hands of prayer began to drop low, then the enemy began to move forward. It's showing the power, the authority that had been distributed to Moses when it was used in prayer. It was the advantage of the entire congregation. It's the same way for a father. 
when that authority that God has given him, responsibility that he's delegated to him with responsibility, God never gives us responsibility without giving us demanding our equal authority to accomplish that responsibility. Hmm. But the greatest use of that authority is behind closed doors. The secondary use of it is now that I've won the victory in the spirit, I now walk it out in the flesh. So there is that other ditch. I like I like the way you said that. <laughs> there is that other ditch. But but the obedience came after the prayer, not before it. And it was a product of prayer. Now I know how to obey. And when that is brought into balance, my whole family benefits as a man of prayer, leading my as a mother of prayer. And often it's our mothers of prayer that are so faithful to it. Yeah. And and we move things forward. As a pastor that learns the priority of prayer, he'll see the shift in his church. So so that's how I see that authority being used correctly. And you know, and that's a authority is a beautiful thing when used properly, and it's an awful thing when abused. Yes. And we see that, and and the home is a prime example of that, because when a father abuses his authority, it just—I mean, it's it's really really awful at times and when a pastor abuses his authority it's yes, awful and we've we've seen that but when done properly and i think most of the time in the church it actually is you just don't hear about it because <laughs> there's a lot of behind closed doors you know beautiful things going on um it 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 does i mean it it changes things okay so here's here's the question question here's the sort of the application for the viewer watching who is feeling a stirring in their spirit because um, even Baptists and Lutherans feel that too. And Presbyterians, I'm a Presbyterian now, so <laughs> I get that one. Um, but what 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 do we... Sometimes we mention the unanswered prayers or the feeling that the prayer is just going, you know, somewhere. How, how do... What, what assurance do... I know it's in Scripture, so I almost hate to ask it that way. I, I just... How does how do, how do we get to that confident place where we where we go okay I, I if I don't know what to say I'm gonna use the model prayer but even even if I just I want to communicate with God and listen because that's as big a part of prayer as the talking yeah. what's the most maybe practical thing I guess is where I'm going what's the most practical thing that we can do you mentioned setting aside the time I mean is it really that simple because that sounds almost too easy. Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But it's not that. It's not hard. Yeah. Uh, the only prayer that's not answered is the one that's never actually prayed. There you go. Um, he James says, "You have not because you ask not." There is a dynamic of prayer. Here's the here's our issue. Sometimes the timing from when we begin to pray until we see the answer we're we're asking for, there's a number of things that have to take place. There are shifts that have to make take place because the, our answered prayer requires other things to be done almost always. Because hmm. if there's a work being done in a person and we're praying for the for the miracle to come, but the work that's being done through the difficulty hasn't been completed, then we understand that when we're praying for the miracle, we're also praying God. Um, we need all these other things done. And so there's a process kicked into place. We've got to be willing to wait through the process to let God do the other pieces and we keep praying. I, I love that story in Daniel when uh, Michael, I'm mean, excuse me, Gabriel, the angel comes to Daniel and says, from the moment you set yourself to prayer, the answer was yes. Hmm. But there was a war that actually broke out in the spiritual realm 
that had to be won. Mm -hmm. I had to even have Michael, the Archangel Michael, come and assist me. It's a, it's an insight that we're like, we don't even know what to do with this. We don't even know for sure how to explain all this. But what he's saying is your prayer started a war in heaven. And so you kept praying until the victory came. And now I'm telling you, the moment you begin to pray, God heard you. But there were things that had to happen before the answer could come. Mm. We see that. We also see that little place in heaven, in the scripture, in Revelation, where he says the vows were full of the prayers of the saints. Sometimes I almost think there's a there's a praying till that till that vow is full. You just keep praying. You just keep coming back. You keep believing. And you, you don't give up. And it's the same as it was again with, with Daniel, who just kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And finally they came and said, all right, all right, your prayer is, you've stuck with it. And I wonder, now I'm making this up. So don't don't hold my theology too much. To the <laughs> but I almost wonder if he had to quit praying on the 18th day before it was completed and he stopped doing his part in prayer, if he would have, cause heaven to stop short of what they were doing hmm. is prayer that connected yeah i don't know sometimes i think it is hmm. sometimes i think it is and you know some in in the foster care world there's two categories to, that'll put a kid in foster care one is abuse and the other one is neglect, neglect yeah. both of them are how you use your authority i think sometimes our prayer authority is not being abused in the sense of praying against the will of God or praying for something other, but it's our neglect mm. that keeps us from accomplishing what God has for us. I, I say two things. I, it's in the book, but not only should we have a private prayer time, but we need a group we pray with. Um, some dynamics happen in group prayer that don't happen in individual prayer. That's all through the book of Acts. Look at it. It's powerful. Mm. But also uh, being committed to pray with someone helps me stay in prayer. It creates an accountability for me. And then the prayer of agreement is a dynamic thing. The Bible teaches us about yeah. praying the same thing. Yeah. And so you need to you need to pray by yourself and you need a group you pray with. And every one of us should have that. Yeah. Well, that, well that's in the book. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and you know, if you I think if you do that, you're gonna be on on strong footing. And the Bible says pray without ceasing, and we kinda of look at that and think, a lot of work, or I don't even know if I can do that. I think you can at least take out of that scripture. Uh you, you're not going to pray too much, <laughs> you know. Right. You, you, That's right. It's it's going to do some good things. Uh, okay. Well, this is good. I mean, seriously. I mean, we we have to we have to be people of prayer. And and I, what I love about Rick's book for you guys watching is that um, it will show you in Scripture uh, how prayer is not just important but essential and powerful uh and, and a good guide a good encouragement to get you praying more and you like i say you're never going to go wrong by praying more appreciate you is there anything you want to add before i let you go Rick? no sir thank you for the opportunity i've uh, i've enjoyed hanging out with you actually so, <laughs> okay well, that's, yeah and i i have enjoyed hanging out with all of you guys watching i want to show you real quick the website for the assemblies of god ag.org and by the way if you don't have a church home they've got a little church directory right there where you can find one near you and uh, AG is one of those denominations that's uh, pretty much everywhere. So uh, if you're looking for a good home, you're going to at least find a, a church uh, that have, have people of prayer. And that's a good thing. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, if you want to encourage somebody, uh, hit the share button. If you haven't liked, followed, or subscribed, please do that. You'll get notification of more interviews just like this. Pick up in Jesus' name. Get your prayer life kicked off. Uh, 
and, and on fire. It's available wherever you get books. We'll see you again next time on Life. Well done.